0: Hello, hello, everyone. This is your girl, Jameez.
1: And this is your boy, Khali.
0: And this is yet another episode of Friendly Fire.
1: Episode 67.
0: Okay, and we are coming to you uh, during the month of March, which is Women's Month, and following along from the International Women's Day, which was March 8th. And you saw all over the world women were still marching despite coronavirus because women are strong (laughs) and we are powerful (laughs) and we need to be heard and our rights need to be respected.
1: Yeah, they were marching. They were like, yo, okay, corona's not in my way. Yo.
0: Okay, okay. Yes, I don't, you know, that, that just set us back like 20 years with your imitation of women. Khalif doesn't mean it. He doesn't mean it. Uh, he, he believes in equality. In fact, uh, he, he carries a lot of the weight in the home, the household when it comes to cooking and cleaning and caring for, um, the, the pup and other responsibilities. So we pretty much share this 50-50. So Khalif is just making jokes. <laughs> he really is a feminist and everyone should be a feminist because if you don't believe that women have the same rights as men to life liberty and the pursuit of happiness I think you hit your head uh, then
1: with, you are a bigot it,
0: I mean it, it's like I told earlier it just sucks to me that in 2020 we still have to have marches to say hello I matter you know you have to treat me like a human being <laughs> Like, like it's what kind of world is this so um on that note of course we always celebrate women and we all take opportunity in march to continue that celebration and um today we are going to discuss a very important woman in our lives um who is no longer with us but her legacy lives on as all great women their legacy will live on much longer after they have left us
1: and as i <clears throat> we were saying Previously, when we were trying to record this, because by the time you guys get this, it'll be after. Happy belated birthday to my mother. Her birthday was March 10th. Yes. But as you all may have, as Jamise pointed out, my mother is no longer with us. Mm -hmm. Khalif, I, myself, Anthony, have been dealing with massive amounts of tragedy since... Not massive. Um, heart-wrenching tragedy since September well, 30th. I
0: mean, I don't really want to go through all the loss. No, no,
1: no. I'm just saying because they, mm. these, all these individuals meant something to me, and they do deserve this shout-out. Oh, okay. On September 30th, there was my grandmother. Uh, my mother's mother.
0: Does she have my a ma-
1: name? Uh, Miss <laughs> Carrie Page. Uh, there you go. I've told you funny stories about her before. Yes. Uh, two weeks later, um, my best friend's grandparents grandfather who was i was really close to Mm -hmm. and that family he passed away suddenly then but after that his wife passed in january Mm -hmm. in december james has also was touched by tragedy um chief the man the legend
0: mr jesse lee green who was the uh, patriarch of my family, my mother's father, and um, before that, actually my my aunt, my great aunt, she had passed away as well. And Carlene then, Woodard.
1: And as we were saying once before, that you know when you become a seasoned individual, uh, it's, this is not a put down or anything. It's just you start to prepare yourself for the day that those individuals are no longer with us.
0: And usually they prepare you. Like I always joke, like it was really a, a dark thing. But when I was five years old, I knew exactly um, what my grandparents' last wishes were going to be. Uh, my mom's parents, um, they drove us by where they were going to be buried. Uh, so it's um, – they – I, I, I was prepared since I was little because, I mean, the cycle of life, usually the older ones will go first. Um, and so it's in a more, but it still, it still hits you, you know, it still, it still hurts and you see the effect that these uh, individuals had in your life and you always want for more time. Um, but also at the same time, you also get to see the beauty of family and the other women uh, who are left behind because I mean I'll tell you guys you're listening you may not know this but women outlive you um across the board in every country <laughs> like, like so usually um they're gonna be the ones that are left behind and that's just um uh, married men do live longer about an on, on average about three years longer than unmarried men uh so that's something I think we've mentioned this before so but I just normally this is the case the women do outlive the men and with that my mother
1: it was but there are tragic. exceptions <laughs> it was tragic for this to happen because while we were on holiday, she passed um, she had a massive stroke when she was alone mm-hmm. and no one found her until it was eight hours later, but no one knew like how long it had been
0: since the first stroke yes happened and for me since I know people who survived strokes, I was confused over the gravity i think of this but i did come to find out that this was not the first one
1: so, so she so with that being said um like i we were away on holiday it was christmas eve i was calling my mother like normal to wish her merry christmas chit chat with her so she could talk trash to me like she normally will do every christmas hmm. but you know it's loving banter between us and we both know they're just jokes And, but this time she didn't answer her phone. We kept calling. I kept calling and there was no answer. Well, then I get a message. Some we go to dinner. We come back. I go to sleep. I get a message weird time at night. My niece is saying I need to call my elder sister. I called her. Um, She tells me mom had to be rushed to the hospital. And no one knows what was going on. Then. Um, I talked to the ne- neurologist and this brother, um, this doctor, I give him props because he was very kind in his bedside manner. He basically was trying to be even kill, but compassionate was saying that my mother had lost 75%, 75% of her brain has gone dark. And if she were to survive, she would not be in the best of states. She'd probably be a vegetable or in a vegetated state. So during the Christmas holidays I was dealing with that. But then on the twenty ninth, she finally um oh that sounds terrible. My mother Finally, she had let go.
0: She died. Yeah. <laughs> See, this is when, to uh, uh, uh I always come in with, like, I, I always got a little, in the midst of anything, I can always make a little light joke or anything. So, um, for those of you, I think you guys may have missed it. We were on holiday in Egypt, actually, um, for the Christmas holidays in the small place called Hargada. And we were able to get back to Houston and be with his mother before she died. So, there are actually quite a few days in between so we were able to uh be there when she when she passed away so it's we we, we got there
2: yeah I, <laughs> we, we got it
0: done
1: <laughs> yeah we flew Turkish air and it took like what 15 hours
0: I don't know it was, it forever. was a long flight but we but, got there um, but then... immediately the family support was amazing because what happened was when we found out it was this odd hour in Egypt which made an even odder hour in the U.S. so but I knew my little brother my youngest brother the little dude you know the youngest sometimes they come they come through right so I called Randy and told him the whole thing is like, I need you to get us from the airport I need, I need this and this you know we're gonna go straight to the hospital we're gonna need this so like he was planning everything for us to like just come off the plane and smoothly uh get us around because my mother was also away for Christmas holidays like this is a totally unplanned um, trip and we were completely unexpected, and but everyone banded together and um, we got it done.
1: And with that, I will tell all the family and friends that helped us along the way during this moment of need. Thank you.
0: Yes, thank uh, you from
1: the bottom of my heart. Thank you, and my family, we do mean it. And I said this at the funeral. Mm-hmm. We love you all. You're very much appreciated, and we're not. We're all in this together. Not joking on High School Musical. So thank you
0: right and so now we're gonna just start this episode well we already started but let's go ahead and and read um the obituary that tells us a brief celebration story. of her life yes
1: so on the 29th of december in the year of our lord
0: we didn't write the year we of did our not lord, i didn't write that but i thought it was always funny to put that the year of our lord <laughs> the
1: year 2019 mm-hmm. charlotte j wadley Loving wife and mother of three was called home at the young age of fifty eight. Mm-hmm. Charlotte was born march 10, sixty one to Miss Carrie Page and Mr. Adele Grace. She kept improving herself by achieving her insurance license to sell insurance. Later she acquired an accounting license, a notary, and a trucking certificate. This opened doors for her to reach a much larger dreams or sorry, much larger dreams. Charlotte was God's love incarnate. She pushed to give the world the stability it needed. She created Virtuous Women in Action. This created two homes to help indigent and rehabilitated individuals to become integrated into society. She also created Watley Consulting to help others establish and grow their businesses. One of these businesses was JD Trucking. With these accomplishments, she also assisted people by preparing them for the worst with their life insurance from Reliable Life Insurance. No plug intended. Charlotte leaves behind to honor her memory, her husband, Tony Watley her children, LaKendra LeBlanc, Anthony J. Jackson Jr., which is your boy, Khalif. And with his loving spouse, Jameis Newkirk, Jess Nat with BZ Nat, my boy.
0: How do you say their names? Why do you got to have all Theo these names
1: And her grandchildren, Alicia and Clarice.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: With Jacoby and Tamia, mm-hmm. there are nine surviving siblings of six sisters and three brothers. She was preceded in going home by her mother, Miss Carrie Page, and two of her brothers. Her father, Adele Grace, is still alive.
0: Yes. Well. So that was the, and you know, if you guys ever read obituaries, they pretty much read the same. Um, you just go through like the hot, this kind of like the highlight reel, right? Um, but since then, of course, you deal with, after you lose someone, you deal with grief. And today is basically what we're going to talk about, you know, the the stages of grief and how we deal with them. And then we're going to follow up with some um, beautiful memories we have of Miss Charlotte Watley. So, uh, Khalif, go ahead and just uh, give us a brief intro to the five stages of grief.
1: Well, the five stages, people, we all please take heed to this. This is not a roadmap. It is not like an 8-bit video game where you go level 1, level 2, level 3, level 4, big boss, and then you complete the game. Mm -hmm. You can jump around. It's not one step, two step, but you will eventually touch all five of these steps before you finally...
0: And I think, and I think, grief is is constant. I I don't think it ever you ever in this process. I think it's just something that you just carry with you.
1: It's something that for the rest of your
0: life. Yeah, it's like wine. It keeps
1: maturing, and and like I'm a part of this group um, because I did get really sad when my mother passed, Mm -hmm. and I was a part of this group where my sister, my younger sister, invited me a part of it. Where it's a lot of people who lost their parents.
0: And, and that's good because we do need to it is an ugly club to be in but it is a club that we we will all have to be in at some point if you outlive if you outlive your parents which is most of us we will all be a part of this club at some point and it's good for us to have each other to lean on. And
1: with this it's basically a lot of people expressing their grief and talking about their parents and sharing memories of their parents and i really and i want to thank her for that because that also helped Mm -hmm. you know just being a part of other people who are experiencing that loss and maybe not dealing with it in the best way is at least giving them this outlet to communicate
0: oh absolutely that's that's the that's what's good humans we 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 don't exist in a vacuum we do need each other um even if we're strangers and we have just this one common bond, it can mean a lot. And this is not to say this is of any equality because it's different for everybody. But I remember after losing, uh, my dog, Lucy, after 16 years, she was my, my role dog. was my best friend, you know, my little dog. And, um, I went through a lot, and I thought a lot of times it was really silly for me to be so upset over a dog, you know. But then I found a group, and it made me feel like I'm not crazy to go through these feelings, to have these feelings. A lot of people uh, experience this grief, and it was kind of an introduction to what it – be because I'd never lost a close family member uh, at the time because Lucy died in January 2019. Uh, so it kind of prepared me. It It is – it's like an introduction <laughs> and I know there are some parents who get their kids pets like dogs, cats and whatever. So the children learn how to deal with this kind of loss because your pet is going to die. And, um, so I think it's, it's not such a silly thing. It really isn't. And it, it's, it's something that we all as human beings need to understand how to deal with it, how to go through it, how to connect with others.
1: And with, So let's talk about the
0: five, what they're titled, and then we'll go we'll go in depth to each one. So Khalid, just go. So number
1: one, so the first, well, not first step.
0: One stage. One stage is (laughs) denial. Mm -hmm.
1: The second is anger. Third is bargaining. Mm -hmm. Fourth is depression, and finally, acceptance.
0: Okay, so um, we're just going to take turns going through. So like um, the first stage we're going to discuss is denial uh denial is the first of the five stages of grief supposedly you will go through this first um it kind of helps you to survive the loss in this stage the world becomes meaningless and overwhelming life makes no sense we're in a state of shock and denial we go numb we wonder how we can go on if we can go on why we should go on we try to find a way to simply get through each day. Um, sometimes denial may happen very quickly. Um, for me, it was, it, the, the when your, when your mother passed, it was very fast. It was like, no. <laughs> like, like I was just like, no. But then I was, then like that, that logic, cause my logic brain is really, really big. It's bigger than my emotional part. And the logic brain was like, what you mean? No. You need to plan some flights to get out of here. There is no no. This is happening so like my denial stage was really quick in fact the same way when my grandfather passed away i got the call at like four in the morning for me or five in the morning and i was in tears but i was like i gotta find a way to get out of here i gotta get to baltimore so it's just that logic brain comes in really strong and is like there is no no this is happening
1: (laughs) it's just and it was weird for me it was like as soon as my niece says You need like, I was worried when my mother didn't answer the phone, Mm -hmm. but I was like, well, she's probably busy. Knowing my mom is Christmas Eve. She's probably shopping, doing God knows what,
0: cooking, cleaning, whatever.
1: So, but then when my niece said, you need to call my sister, Mm -hmm. I got real, I I felt a sense of dread come upon me. Like, Oh God, what the hell happened? And, and as soon as I called and she said, Mom's, she was in the hospital FaceTiming me Mm -hmm. and she said, mom's in the hospital. And for a brief moment, I was like, what the hell? I was just talking to her like three days ago, and we talked like yesterday.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, what the hell?
0: Yeah, um, what the hell? That's going to bring us into uh, the next bit of anger.
1: So anger, anger is necessary stage of the healing process. Be willing to feel your anger, even though it may seem endless. The more you truly feel it, the more it will begin to dissipate, and the more you will heal. There are many other emotions under the anger, and you will get to them in time. But anger is the emotion we most use to manage things. The truth is that anger has no limits. It can extend not only to your friends, the doctors, your family, yourself, and your loved one who died, but also to God. You may ask, where is God in this? Underneath anger is pain, your pain. It is is natural to feel deserted and abandoned. But we live in a society that fears anger. Anger is strength. It can be the anchor, giving temporary structure to the nothingness of loss.
0: And, uh, so we were getting into how you're angry feeling. So after the, the, night, I was like, no, 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 my brain said, no, yes, yes, yes. And then I was like, the next, the very first thing that came out my mouth though was the F bomb. And I told, uh, I told your, your nieces, Alicia, and I was like, it was one of the funny moments. It was just like, you know, f, <laughs> like, like what is going on? It's just so, so much frustration. and, Anger, like immediately about we were just having a Christmas holiday, everything was normal, and now it'll never be the same. So what the f, you know? <laughs> like, just and I'm I'm res- I'm not saying the f bomb because I kind of don't want this show to be just for adults. I think kids should be able to listen to this. So I'm not going to say the f word, but you guys know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so, uh Talith, your your anger came out too as well.
1: Um, it's my anger comes in waves still. Mm-hmm. I mean, even to this day, it's still like there are individuals and I won't go into that cause that's petty, mm-hmm. but it, it comes out and people will get it or, and I try not to because I know what's, I'm aware I'm in touch with my feelings. So I know what's right. happening, why it's happening. And of
0: course but. those people that may be making you angry are also going through their stages of grief, right? So they may also be angry at the same time you're angry. <laughs> so <Yes>. everyone's angry.
1: <laughs> and I'm trying to be considerate of that as well. Mm-hmm. And it's just, but do feel your anger, do feel your pain. I mean, like it was a few days a few weeks ago, I posted on Facebook about how the world seemed to have moved on, but today, I still miss my mom,
0: of course, and, and you will miss her forever, which is
1: well, it was, but I was at work when I tweet thing. when I tweeted and posted this out, mm-hmm. and it was just, it just I just felt like I was in. You know, like you have that day where you walk into something and it's just everything's moving around you, but you feel like you're walking through mud,
0: right, or and, like this is not really happening, yeah, like like I'm, you're like you're you're watching your life from outside, like yeah, I've had that feeling like it's just weird, it's like does no one else know what's happening here, yeah,
1: and it's just like <laughs> I'm being like my kids, my students, they're coming you know, joshing with me, but I'm just not in the mood to be bothered, and it's just it was overwhelming for me that day. And I just like wanted to scream at the world. I wish my mom died and I wish everyone stop and just leave me the hell alone.
0: Right. And like, I even joke with Khalifa. I was like, you get too overwhelmed, you know, just be like my mom died. Just, you know, just, just that's it. Like there's no, uh, there's no argument for that. There's no response for that. It's just like, yeah, you know, like, okay. It's just, it's, it's, um, one of those things that, it is what, and I, like I said, like what's, was really weird about it was that the most difficult day in your life, the day when you need your mom the most, you don't have her because she's gone. And I, and I just, and I told my own mother this and, um, you know, I was like that, that's who you, that's who you want. That's who you want to talk to. That's who you need to hear from. So, uh, so the next part, another stage that is the bargaining stage. Okay. And, um, Oh, sorry, guys, I went to get it right. So, before loss, it seems like you will do anything if only your loved one would be spared. We become lost in a maze of if-only or what-if statements. Uh, we want life returned to what it was we want our loved one restored we want to go back in time find the tumor sooner recognize the illness more quickly stop the accident from happening if only if only if only guilt is often bargaining's companion the if only's cause us to find fault in ourselves and what we think we could have done differently we may even bargain with the pain we will do anything not to feel the pain of this loss we remain in the past trying to negotiate our way out of the hurt people often think of the stages as lasting weeks or months they forget that the stages are responses to feelings that can last for minutes or hours as we flip in and out of one and then another we do not enter and leave each individual stage in a linear fashion so you may find yourself circling back to that bargaining thing um i didn't bargain so much uh with his my grandfather he was older he had been sick so i kind of let it go when lucy died she she was old, she had been sick, I let it go. My eye, I mean, so a lot of times, and even with Charlotte, I was 'Cause she was she did not die right away. She was in a coma. We removed the life support and she was still alive. And I was just like, Well, maybe she'll go to hospice and I but I also thought a part of me went to be said, Well, you know what? If she wakes up she's gonna be really, really mad if she if she is disabled, you know. So I also thought thought these things and I shared these things with um Khalif and his siblings. So Khalif, what was your bargaining uh moments that you've had? <sighs>
1: Well, to be honest, it, com- it also comes in waves. Mm-hmm. Um, it hit me harder when I found the truth of how my mom was found. Mm-hmm. And it made me really sad. Yeah. I mean, I tried not to show it, but I was hurting. I was extremely...
0: He doesn't hide it well, Angry. you guys. Like his sisters, we all saw. It. He thought he was hiding it, but he wasn't hiding
1: it. No, I was. I mean, I wasn't doing a great job, but I mean, I was trying. <laughs> we to We knew be, you were
0: mad. We knew you. were oh, I was be livid. Blaming, pointing fingers, why shouldn't this earlier? All these kinds of things, and I, and I, you know.
1: Actually, that wasn't like. Why did you not tell me this earlier? That no. wasn't one of the things. I was more like when I found the story, like when they told me, like, oh well. Because my stepfather, he works long days, Mm -hmm. so she was at home alone, Mm -hmm. and when she had the stroke, Mm -hmm. the first one, and then she had a few more that came in waves Mm -hmm. that really put her out, Mm -hmm. and I was just like, I didn't feel guilty that I wasn't there. I don't. I was just like, I wish someone was there with her, because there were individuals that were there at some point in time. Like, my mother's house was never empty, and the one time it's empty she dies. That well, hurts. Well, she
0: has a stroke, she died. Well, then. I mean, sorry. Um, she was in need of emergency care, and there's no one uh capable the... to understand that that was what was necessary at that moment. And to be honest, sometimes strokes don't look like that's what's happening. Well,
1: no, that's what I was saying, and that's I mean, I may be sounding really pissed off now.
0: <laughs> We're still in the grieving process. We're still
1: um, in the grieving process. But it's just, when I think about it, I was just like, there are moments when there are individuals always living at her house. Mm-hmm. And the one time she needs people the most, no one is around.
0: Right.
2: And
1: that hurts. And I mean, it still hurts when I think about it. And thanks to my friends, they say, you know, Understand that, but don't let that...
0: Don't, don't let that be something that you keep going back to and get yeah. stuck on. Yeah, cause there's really nothing you can do about it. Uh, so and that's we- the
1: logical brain. For me, it's like, there's nothing you could do. You just, right. you know, it happened. Right. And that was my bargain. And I was like, I wish someone... God, I wish someone could have been there. I wish... My mom would listen to me. I wish. You yeah, know,
0: about her health and the changes need to make things. and all those things. Yeah.
1: But that's the bargaining that that's I. That's the through. bargaining.
0: Mm-hmm. Or are now, going through from time to time. So the next another stage is.
1: Uh, depression. Mm-hmm. Um, those who may know me, I usually eat my feelings. So yeah, I put on a little weight. That's a joke. You could laugh at that.
0: I can, Who Who's laughing? I'm not laughing. I'm the wife.
1: <laughs> I'm talking about the people. Who oh, okay. Oh, okay. But depression, um, after bargaining, our attention moves squarely into the present. Empty feelings present themselves, and grief enters over lives on a deeper level, deeper than we ever imagined. This depressive stage feels as though it will last forever. It's important to understand that this depression is not a sign of mental illness. Mm -hmm. It is the appropriate response to the great loss. Mm -hmm. We withdraw from life, left in a fog or intense sadness, Wondering, perhaps, if there's any point in going on alone. Why go on at all? Depression after a loss is too often seen as unnatural, a state to be fixed, something to snap out of. Mm-hmm. The first question to ask yourself is whether or not the situation you're in is actually depressing. Mm-hmm. The loss of a loved one is very depressing. Mm-hmm. Sorry. The loss of the loved one is a very depressing situation, and depression is normal and an appropriate response
0: and I think it's other people's automatic thing to want to make another person snap out of it, you know snap out of it, like just get on with your life, just move on um and I was lucky enough to be friends with people who lost their parents at a much younger age. And knowing them as adults and being close to them as adults, realizing that they still deal with that loss and that there is no snap out of it. It, This person is gone and you don't have them and you may have not had them during important things in your life you want to share with them. So. I try to, and when uh, people talk to me as as the wife, you know, about the plans and how's Anthony doing, I was like, I'm letting Anthony go through the stages as he goes through them. Because you really, you really can't push anybody. I mean, if I feel like some part is coming unhealthy, I will uh, mention it. Like uh, we talked about the, the, the eating his feelings, and uh, I did address that. And that's basically when you, and, I, and so this is for some of you who are in a relationship with someone who may have experienced a great loss. It's important for you to just be there to be supportive of all of what they're going through and just kind of point out if anything becomes destructive or bad behavior, then lovingly try to steer them away from that in the best way that you can and just be patient because they will come up and down, have good days, bad, they'll, they'll make a plan like this, then change their mind and you just have to just roll with it with them and, and just try to be as much compassionate as you can. Um, with what they are going through but also be the clear-headed one if you see any depression behaviors that could be harmful for them in the long term you need to be the one to be aware like you need to pull them out of that you know but let them feel the sadness that they need to feel
1: i second that (laughs) i mean it got i mean to be honest with you, i made a joke but it, it is the truth and i'm from the south and, you know, it was like, come on in here, baby. Come get come get a slice of cake and make you feel better. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember my first breakup. My grandmother was like, my mom's mom was like, oh, come in here. She cooked, She made some dressing, and she, we were sitting around talking about it. And we were just eating and playing dominoes, and I just felt better.
2: So,
0: Dress-
1: Dressing. Like, she made homemade dressing. Well, she didn't make it for me. She you got to explain to
3: people what.
1: Oh, dressing. Okay. Dressing is a technically a side dish that you eat at a meal it is made from like it depends on the recipe but it could be chicken it's mostly chicken cornbread um, some of you
0: well some of you folk may know this as stuffing usually eat okay. it with a turkey dinner i'm just gonna say it like that because some people are dressing 'cause because usually i'll tell you guys the truth when i think of dressing because i am an expat kid and i'm an expat adult i think
1: stove salad
0: top. dressing
1: oh sorry
0: you know so i don't call that a night yeah stovetop stuffing mix is what i love and everyone in my family is appalled but i have very simple taste when it comes to things but yeah usually for those of you who have seen the traditional uh thanksgiving turkey dinner it's the 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 bread-based side dish that you stuff in the turkey which Anthony's calling dress, but like the way his people make it, it's its meal by itself because I think it comes with chicken and how else?
1: Oh, chicken! I mean, it has chicken, celery. I mean, it has everything in it. Yeah, chicken broth. It's like and it and it's really made to the point to where it is. It's, it's it like could a be one, a meal it's, by itself. It's like
0: a one pan dish. But you, yeah,
1: it's a one pan dish that you mix with other dishes, <laughs> green bean casserole. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, oh, don't make me hungry. Oh but. yeah,
1: let me stop. Mm-hmm. Let me stop. But, okay. Yeah, but. That was one thing I wanted my mother to teach me how to make because I love it.
0: Oh, honey, I'm sure you can make
4: it on your
1: own. I'll have to find it. But my grandmother, you know, she was the best at it. But <laughs> but um but that's what I'm saying. And I found myself, like, the past few months, especially since coming back and having to deal with work and trying to, like, make things go, I just, when I would come home or if I'm by myself, I just find myself, I blame it on where I live. Order mcdonald's and when i mean order getting it delivered to my door
0: yes and um i i have put my foot down i said no more mcdonald's and so
1: she, her little feet
0: yes they are little but still
1: she put a she she put a foot she put a foot down but okay i, mean, two feet. I was thinking i'll about put two feet down <laughs> I was thinking about it because it's just like McDonald's has this thing where it was like.
0: I uh, no, we're not getting it. We're not going back there. Uh, and no, and no offense to McDonald's, it's just <laughs> you know I don't I don't want the their their Gestapo to come after me. McDonald's is fine every once in a while as your main food source when you hungry. Uh No, I, <laughs> it should never be your your main go to. All right, so then another stage of. The grieving process is acceptance. Acceptance is often confused with the notion of being all right or okay with what has happened. This is not the case. Most people don't ever feel okay or all right about the loss of a loved one. This stage is about accepting the reality that our loved one is physically gone and recognizing that this new reality is the permanent reality. We will never like this reality or make it okay, but eventually we accept it. We learn to live with it. It is the new norm with which we must learn to live. We must try to live now in a world where our loved one is missing. In resisting this new norm, at first, many people want to maintain life as it was before a loved one died. In time, through bits and pieces of acceptance, however, we see that we cannot maintain the past intact. It has been forever changed, and we must readjust. We must learn to reorganize roles, reassign them to others, or take them on ourselves. Finding acceptance may be just having more good days than bad ones. And to be honest, I have been really impressed with how you, Khalif, and your sisters have dealt with this sudden and extreme loss because your mother is very much involved in your lives, even as adults. And um, I'm very proud of all of you and how you are going on and how you are supporting each other. And it is a really beautiful thing. And it is true that like the roles had to change because now you no longer have mom to call, but I'll say, Oh, we'll tell your sister about it. You know? um And I say, you can tell me or you can even tell my mom. My mom is available uh for these things. So I just, um it, it does, life does change, but it moves on.
1: Yeah. And I want to, I know my mother-in-law may not listen to this, but I also want to thank her because the moment that we had to decide to turn the machine off mm-hmm. and yeah, I don't think your mom, I may be misconstrued because those days were kind of like all running together. together. Yes. Um, Lack of sleep and up long hours. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember because she was, she was on the phone and she asked me how are things and I immediately started crying to your mom mm-hmm. and she was like, are you okay? And then your mom started crying. And I was like, no, I'm not okay. I'm not <laughs> okay, mom.
0: Yeah, I was like, oh,
1: And gosh. then I just threw the phone at Jamees, So you was just like, you talk
0: to your mom. I can't talk to her. Yeah. So everyone was crying and I was just like, Great, mom. <laughs> you got us all like, and she, and she was apologetic, but it was cute. I was just like, you know, cause my mother had just lost her dad less than a month before. So, you know, it was all together. And my mom did really like your mom. She was always trying to be friends. It was really cute. Um, and my mother loves you. So she's like, okay. and, and one of the interesting and beautiful, wonderful things that has come from, Um, your mother's passing is that my parents are now like all on board with listening to me, with me being demanding with me being like, who's your doctor? You know, they bring me the cards. Like I don't have to worry about because anytime they want to be like, they have any kind of fight back with me, I'll be like, Oh, remember Anthony's mom died, you know? So then it's like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Honey. Oh, okay. You know, because they were also in shock because when I did say, um, I remember I, I told um, my dad and, and his wife, I, I told them, you know, and then, and then uh, they asked, well, how old was she? And I said, 58. And they're like, oh my gosh, that's so young. <laughs> you know, cause my parents are in their sixties, you know, so, uh, that was kind of a shock to them and a wake up call. And they, you know, they were like, okay, you know, is not just blowing smoke up our butts. It's, we really need to get in line. And so now I have, I have no pushback and I can always, you know, I, I use use that card. I say, you know what? You, and then I, with my mother, I'm like, you're the only grandmother uh, Daisy has. Daisy's our little dog. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, you know, you're going to have to baby. pull weight, you know. Like, and if there are any grandbabies, you're going to have to pull extra duty. Uh, so, it's – it's it was a way it called to everybody, actually, and not just um, my side of the family, but also your side of the family. And I do – hope that your your siblings are taking better care of their health and managing their stress um, because I do feel like a part of it is that your mother was always trying to do so much for others and she always put herself last.
1: And, and that was the thing I wanted to really highlight in the obituary for her was that my mother, like I said, she was God's love incarnate. Yes. She would, like, and that was weird, like ever since I was a child, Um, my parents got divorced, as I've told, I've said many times on this show that I had, I saw my mom struggle to make sure that we had something to eat, you know, and she worked hard 40 plus hours a week, maybe 60 hours a week. And she would be tired Mm -hmm. and, you know, um, I'll probably tell two stories about my mom later, Uh, but I would just say
0: this
1: later. Yeah. I said later. Okay. But, um, I it pushed me to try to figure out what can I do to lessen her burden. Oh sweet. as a young child. So But isn't I,
0: that what children do though? Like I just find that amazing about kids how they can sense their parents' stress and they want to do something to help them and it's really sweet. Like we're always our parents spend their whole lives trying to take care of us, but at some point and very early on we try to figure out how to take care of them. And that's why I think that loss of a parent is so difficult because it's something that there's nothing we could have done really in the end. There's really nothing you could have done oh, unless yeah. you're the reason why your parents are gone like legit. If you really are, a, you know, you know what I mean? Some of some of you crazy people, you know, like, just, just in case we got, we might have some prisoners listening to us who may have done the exact same thing. Menendez brothers. Uh-huh. But I was
1: just, and that's the only thing that I was trying to say. And. I remember my mom, and I'll just say this. I remember Can she. We hold on? To hold on. No, no, no! This isn't a story. Oh, okay. Just, just chill out. Let me run the I, program now.
0: I oh 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 oh! Hey man, woman's <laughs> history, woman's month.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let boy. your
0: little woman run some stuff.
1: Oh no, your place.
0: Ooh! <laughs> <laughs> fighting words, y'all. Some fighting words. You heard it here first.
1: Yes, but no, no, no. She just. I remember one time she said, "Son." You know, I have to get you something because you rarely ask for things. Right. And I was like, oh, because what I want, I'll let you know when I really want something.
0: When you really need something. When I really need it. Mm-hmm.
1: And that was kind of like the moment I started to, well, she started to see me as growing up. My sisters, you know, my sisters, they, they, the ladies had their bond and they were, oh, mom, I need this. I want to go do this. And now it's just like, I figured out a way to get my own little money on the side. You know, but if I needed something and it was truly necessary, then I would go to my mom. But on that note, we're going to take a short break.
0: No, not a break yet. Really? I thought I was going to do my story of your mom. Not yet. We're going to take a break. Let's take a short break and we'll be back with part two of what are we calling this episode? Celebration of Women. Celebration of Women. All right so hello, uh, everyone this episode is brought to you by agoda.com uh, when you it. are planning your next travel experience or vacation please come visit us at net for all the tips and tricks and go ahead and click on the link for agoda.com to book your stay at one of a million plus fabulous places around the world for discount prices and as soon as you sign up with them you will be you will start earning points and those points can be used for future stays, and it really saves tons of money. As Khalif and I could tell you, we have really enjoyed being customers and clients of Agoda, and we're more than happy to promote Agoda as well. So, yeah, next excited you plan your trip, remember, come see us, click on the link, and go to agoda.com. Okay, everyone. So now we're going into part two. We're going to talk about some, uh, greatest memories. I mean, there's a lot of memories and we're just, just like one of a few, uh, about Charlotte. So, uh, Charlotte Watley was my mother-in-law. I have known her for, I think, 12 years. Uh, and it was one of my most memorable, uh, conversations I had with her that really stuck with me and just kind of demonstrates how understanding she was and what a great person she was to talk to um my parents had recently finalized their divorce they had been married for almost 30 years my parents got married when my mother was uh 19 my dad was 21 they met in college or 20 and they met in college and um so my mother had never been on her own before and I was already an adult. My brother was an adult. The only the twins were still at home, and they were both, um, I think, seniors in high school. And I was worried that my mom was not going to adjust to being on her own very well. And I shared these worries with Charlotte, and I, I told her I was like, I don't know, my mom's going to be okay. Um, it's it's going to be really hard on her, and she's never been on her own. You know, she went straight from being with my grandparents into a home with my dad. So I don't know how this is going to work. And Charlotte told me, she said, "Your mom's gonna be fine. You know, she she's a strong person. She's raised you guys. Um, it's gonna be different at first, but I know that your mom is going to be just fine. She's gonna surprise you. She's it's, it's, she's an amazing person." And that really comforted me. And she was right. My mom my mom has really she had a glow up, you know, and she's um she's she's different than how she was when I was growing up. You know, uh, but it's amazing to see her really come out of her, grow into this person who's more outgoing, who started a new career, all these things. I had nothing to worry about. And Charlotte told me that I didn't. And that really made me feel much better because I was kind of feeling guilty because I lived away and I was just kind of leaving mom, you know, and I'm the only daughter. Uh, but Charlotte did really make me feel a lot better about that and talked about her experiences. And, you know, I, it, it gave me peace. You know, it was exactly what I wanted to hear at that moment. So that meant a lot to me um, that she was always willing to discuss these kinds of things with me.
1: I mean, I will say, I will share this. I remember when we first started dating and Jameez would be like, you always leave me in the room with your mom. She starts telling me things.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a lot of awkward moments. Um, that never ended actually during a whole relationship. There oh, were some things your mom taught me about. And I was like, I don't have a response for that. Like, I can't. I was like, how, how do I answer that? And some of these conversations had to do, deal with Khalif's dad who, um, he's a character. So, everyone in Clay's family is a character. So, uh, sometimes oh, I just, yeah. you just I just you have to sit there and just nod and be like, oh, yeah, mm, you know, <laughs> just let her know that you're listening. Because sometimes you just, there is no response. There, there isn't. But she always needed the right things to say in the moment that she needed to, to be there. So, um, we're going to have some more stories given you by her children and grandchildren. First, uh, Lekindra. Then we have Alicia and Clarice. And Jessica, and then I think Khalif is going to finish off with his own memory.
1: And so now I'm going. So now, welcome to welcome. the podcast, my family, my nieces, my sisters. First, the up, other women The other women I'm celebrating, <laughs> and on my mother's birthday.
3: Happy birthday, mom. My most memorable moment was when I told you. You was gonna be a grandmother and I was just crying 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 and you was all excited where I didn't know what I was gonna do I was 21 years old and coming home telling you I'm pregnant with Alicia and all I saw on your face was the biggest smile and tears in your eyes because you finally said, I'm going to be a grandmother because I heard you all on your phone telling all your friends <laughs> that my one of my kids needs to give me some grandkids. And none of, nobody don't have no grandkids, and I want a grandchild. And I think you jinxed me that day. I always told you, you jinxed me because I was the first one and the oldest. My second memory was when I was pregnant with Clarice. and you told me, "What the hell are you pregnant for? You don't want a more babies? Cause you was having a hard trouble with the first one. Now you finna come up with a second one." And I was in label with the girls. And you was trying to get me to that hospital, and I just refused to go, cause I want to sit right there in pain and ow and having contractions, and sitting up there watching color purple. And every time one of my shows, my moment come up, and I feel a contraction and, and go, oh, um, you my know, girl come on, cause I ain't finna deliver that baby, I ain't finna deliver that baby. You was so mad with me because I was in labor, water busting, everything. And I just wanted to sit there till color purple ended, and you were so <laughs> mad at me. The other memory is I'm on vacation right now in Orlando, and you were so psyched and geeked about it because you've never been to Florida and you've never been to Disney. And you all gave me a big old hug when we got to that airport. We got to the hotel. They had all the Disney characters over there. And you was like, thank you, Tutu. And I was like, what you thanking me for? That's what I'm supposed to do as your daughter. And he was like, I never got this chance because I always worked. And my childhood wasn't good. So you blessed me to come and see the, you know, to come to Disney. And I was like, wow. And that was one of the biggest moments for me because all I wanted to do was make you proud of me. My next moment was when we all went to Jack's and it was your sister's birthday and we was dancing and zodicon and partying and you was just you had the biggest smile on your face because you were so happy and enjoying yourself because I remember growing up you always worked, mom always. We'll get up and see you in the morning and then we'll get up again and you'll be coming in. It'll be late. And all you wanted to do was rest. And I was like, you are my motivation to keep pushing and striving and doing what I need to do with my girls. And I will always cherish that to the day I die and I hope them road trips we took that instilled in my daughters that they can go. And when they give me some grandkids, we could all get up and go and explore the world like you want to see it. And I'm going to continue to keep on pushing and being a blessing to them and traveling a little bit more and spending more time with them and stop working some more. Your last words with me were, Tutu, get your shit together and find your husband (laughs) and i'm gonna make you proud i love you mom
4: happy birthday grandma charlotte my favorite memory of you would be when you bought me my first car you've been talking about buying me my car since i was in the 11th grade but um i turned 20 And you was like, okay, Alicia, today we're going to go buy you a car. My mama didn't even know. We went. You actually picked out the car for me. You was all like, this car has all its bells and whistles. This is the right car for you. We bought the car. You were so happy. You were showing it off. You told me I looked good in my first car. You was always helping me put gas in the car and... You, all you told me was, now that I got you the car, you could finish college. And because of that, I'm going to do that for you. Happy birthday! Well, Grandma Charlotte, you was one diva, man. You was really missed. I remember when what was it? we went to Disneyland, and that was your first time going. You cried because you was just so happy. You spent time with us. We laughed, we smiled, we all cried together. We, we, even when I did, when I, even when I did some stupid stuff, crazy stuff, you was always there by my side. You never said, oh, I'm not gonna worry about her no more, even though you did say that. <laughs> but you was always stood after for me. You always, you took care of me. You was basically like my second mama. We lived with you. I helped you. You know, girl, even when you said, Clarice, come here. All right, man, girl, and Charlie, we had some crazy times. You was here with us right now. You would have been like, man, see, y'all done screwed up my house. But yeah, we all miss you, Grandma Charlie. You was really loved. You was a loved woman. Papa Tony miss you. Jack, Uncle Jack miss you. My mama miss you. And Jessica miss you. Everybody miss you. Even people that we barely knew miss you. Man, Grandma Charlie, you. Everybody knew you. Like, how many friends you had? But, yeah, goma Charlotte, you you was, you was the bomb that diggity called Goma Charlotte. You missed. I was probably
2: Late up, to 16 years old, and my mom took me to a hole in the wall. And we used to always do the cha-cha slide at home, but the song ended up coming on in the club. And she grabbed me, ran to the dance floor, and did the cha-cha slide together. And it was one of my happiest moments with her. My second moment would be um, like a couple of years ago, we had went to Jack's and she always saying she would never want to party with us, but she had the most pride in her face she was looking at me, dancing, she kept buying me drinks, saying that it reminded, that I reminded her of herself when she was younger. And to just bring that joy to her, which is something that I, I can cherish forever. So...
1: I mean, these are all moving tales of Miss Charlotte and Jackson Watley. And thanks to my sisters, my nieces, for sharing those moments, those mm-hmm. those emotional moments at that. Thank you.
0: Yes. And so um, we have, as the woman, Shared how much Charlotte meant to us. And now we're going to give Khalif a chance to give one of his. And let me tell you all, before he gives his memorable story with his mother, he has, of course he has quite a few of his mom, but he gave one at the funeral that was hilarious and heartwarming. And it really caused, it lifted everyone's spirit and caused them to want to also share. So um, Khalif has a way of putting his family Together and giving them courage. And so Khalif, now go ahead and share one of your memories.
1: Wow. Um thanks for that. That's 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 touching. Mm-hmm. Um no homo. <laughs> but um oh can I say that?
0: Yes, you can say it.
1: I mean I don't want no hashtag some some cancel khalif come out.
0: It's from boondocks, people it's from boondocks.
1: Yes, yes. But, oh man, yeah, um, there's many a tales um uh, my mother and I have had the craziest form of a relationship. um, she's told my wife on multiple occasions he just didn't trust me growing up.
0: <laughs> it said you were crazy, made her crazy.
1: There is one when my father, my my mom and my dad was married, and I was just going crazy. The doctors told... They had me going to doctors. I just thought I was going to go meet people. But I was playing. I used to watch these cartoons like Dennis the Menace. And I would mimic what I what I saw in the cartoons. So there was this one moment where little three, three-year-old Khalif... Is playing in the house by himself. Well, I'm not by myself. My mom's upstairs. We were living in a two-story. But my mom comes downstairs... I'm supposed to be down there just watching cartoons, leaving her alone. The doctor said, "Well, he's just hundred percent boy." And that's gave my- not
0: what they said. That's what they told my mother about my brother. No, no,
1: no. When we went to the doctor, there was nothing that they could give me, so not they gave at three. Not at three. So they gave my mom volumes. To relax,,
0: <laughs> don't stress out about this boy, <laughs>
1: yeah, so there's just he's just a boy, so i but I would watch these cartoons and do the crazy things like there's this one Dennis the minutes episode where he's running from Mr. Wilson, and he's running through his house, he jumps over the table, grabs the chandelier, and swings out the window and to escape Mr. Wilson, well, sometime. I don't. My mother told me the story and it had me just dying, where she's coming down because she hears this. Ee, 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 wee, ah! She's coming and she comes around the corner. It's three-year-old Khalif, chubby and all, swinging on the chandelier. My mom just did not have the heart to like do anything. She just sat on the stairs and started crying. <laughs> So, (laughs) my dad comes home, and he has to sit three-year-old Khalif down and have a man-to-man discussion. Mm -hmm. He's like, son, I need you to calm it down. This is the way my father sounds. Son, I think you need to calm it down. (laughs) You're not going to kill my wife. You hear me? You're not going to kill my wife. Mm. You need to calm it down. You're three, be three, and I don't remember much after that. Mm-hmm. But my mom was telling me that story, and she was just like, "Crack it up!" And she told me these stories once I'm a grown man, and she's telling me on the day that she had, I have children. She was gonna make them really bad for payback, and I'm like, "Jokes on you, woman!"
0: <laughs> Unfortunately, yes, she, she will not have that opportunity, but I mean, I, people know that we are not parents and I think kids, kids bad. They, they all bad. Like I just, and they're, they,
1: they're super bad. But
0: if they have a partner, they get worse. So, but it just, it is a little bit of justice because Daisy is actually like Khalif's dog and she is the sweetest, most loving little pup, but she is destructive, de- destruction incarnate. I have cried, but not because I was sad because i was laughing so hard i i was in tears because <laughs> the dog is crazy she's she's attacked my afro before uh it's it, this this is his dog this this is her
1: and i guess the last memory <laughs> i would share um i mean this, these are things that were told later um but i would say this um i started collecting action figures and my, I talked to my mom. It was my birthday, and I was getting really sad. 2018, and I don't know what was going on, but I just got into this little funk, and I couldn't really explain it. So I started purchasing um, transformers um, that were made for adults, and they are awesome. They're a collector; you can collect them. Takara Masterpiece Transformers, check them out. Well. I had these boxes, a bunch of boxes show up to my house, to her house. And it's Christmas time, but this is the year before is 2018. Christmas, 2018? Christmas 2018. Yeah. But before I opened the boxes, she, we sat down and we talked. And, and I gave her the biggest hug because she was watching me open the boxes and she was just smiling from ear to ear and she kept saying oh this looks like when you were a little boy oh cuz she saw i had devastator the constructicons and i was open and i got really excited because i wanted this for my collection and she was just smiling and she like it reminds me of when you were a little boy but that's when we had to talk about her getting her health together and because i only had one mom and i want to continue I hope to continue having you around. So when the day I do have children, they get to know you like I know you now, you know, because, you know, like I said before, like it was real difficult. Like I was a crazy kid crazy things would happen. So I didn't really trust being around my mom. Like not bad, but it's just like, you know, kids know they get in a situation like we were driving to school and it started to flood. And I was like, nope, not riding with you ever again, because every time we get in the car, something bad happened. And, I mean, those are the things that we were laughing and joking about. But the one thing I told her at Christmas that I always remember is that, and I, admire about, I admired about my mother, was her strength and how strong she was. Even when people didn't believe it, I would always see it. And I always felt like she would talk to me about certain things that maybe not my sister's. Like she would be a little bit more vulnerable with me. Because I remember um, when we were young and my mom was thinking about leaving my dad. And this is the last story, I promise. <laughs> um, I didn't know this at the time that she was leaving my father. But she packed up this little Chevette, little, little hatchback Chevette. And packed up the car, and we were. She told us we were going on an adventure, and you told me, little Khalif, that we were going on an adventure. I had my my knapsack ready to go. So, she says, so we're all in the back seat, we're driving, but her Chevette kept breaking down, and immediately my mom told, don't say shit, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what? And I didn't know the car was overheating. So we were broke down in the middle of nowhere in Louisiana trying to get to her family relatives. And we just we just didn't know what to do. So. She my mother, because she was her mother with um, her kids, small kids, she had a pistol. I knew about this. So she says. When the police come because this this white guy in the trailer was like well I'll call the police for you maybe they can get you somewhere and they took the police come they don't arrest us but they put us in the backseat and I'm freaking out because I've never been in the back of a police car and my mom whispers in my ear shut your damn mouth don't say nothing about my pistol in my about the pistol in my purse Because it'll get us in some big trouble, all of us. And I was like, okay, Mom, I won't say anything. But the whole time, I was like, ooh, we're going to get in trouble. But the police officer took us to a diner that was maybe like a good, I don't know, some time away. Where we could get something to eat and my mom could make a phone call. But the reason why she told me later that um, whatever was going on in the marriage, my mom was just had it she had it up she had it up to here, and I'm putting my hand above my head, and she was just she needs to get away, and so from that point on, I saw my mom would do whatever it took to protect herself and her family
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that's the one thing that I think I try to do for my family the most my nieces, my sisters that if they need me, I got their back. Yep. I even do it Family for my
0: first.
1: I even do it for my wife and I even do it for her brothers.
0: Yeah. And they feel the same about you.
1: And on that note, please remember to come to crusade.net, look at all the articles and information that we have for you and we're going to put up some more stuff today, especially about the wonderful UAE despite the corona situation. <laughs>
0: Um, and you can always email us at crus. Is that correct?
1: Fire at crusade. <laughs> at crusade.
0: net. I I, <laughs> I get confused of where the at needs to go. Um And please send us some stories of the fabulous uh, woman in your life, and we will be able to share them in our next podcast. And also, I would like to just say that, you know, take this time to – it's not a sad thing to give memory to the women who have affected our lives and – small and big ways including your teachers hello no i'm just kidding <laughs> well
1: they are women too so.
0: uh, a lot of them yes majority of, of teachers are women uh so on that note i am your girl jameez and
1: i am your boy kali
0: until next time